a nocturnal journey it was past midnight the sky was overcast with ominous rain clouds threatening to downpour at any time gusty strong winds blowing through the swaying pine trees screamed warning of an impending havoc i was sitting at the back of an air force truck the truck meant to carry goods had nothing like a cabin light the stark steel body of the olive green truck had a tarpaulin cover tied over a steel superstructure in the face of high winds the cover was flapping <clears throat> against the steel body and continuously making a clapping sound i could see the silhouette of the driver's turbaned head through a small opening at the rear of the driver's cabin very dim three yellow lights emitting from the dials fitted on the truck's dashboard created a surreal feeling at the rear i was not alone i was sitting with the dead body of my friend retired wing commander sharma who had died suddenly of a cardiac arrest 4 hours back wing commander sharma and his family had joined up for a summer holiday in dalhousie villas a hill station close to jammu with a history of chronic asthma and cardiac problem wing commander sharma was forbidden by the doctors from any physical exertion yet thanks to the infectious enthusiasm of others in the trip the more in the morning he had climbed around 100 steps at a famous temple in Dharamshala which came on the way to the air force station at Dalhousie he had completely ignored the doctor's instruction coming for a trip after years of a restricted life at home made him so happy that he forgot all restrictions and precautions for his health in his youth he had been a good athlete perhaps the sportsman spirit had gotten the better of him he was enjoying his trip thoroughly and there was nothing amiss at around 8 in the evening he sat on his bed and was chatting happily with his family he was planning to stretch the trip to visit vishnu devi also no he would not walk up to vishnu devi temple he assured his wife he planned to hire a palki to reach the temple at 8:30 pm the moment he got up to get dressed for dinner he slumped on the floor and lost his consciousness he had a massive cardiac arrest mrs sharma knew that her husband always carried a pack of sorbitrate pills in the chest pocket of his shirt for such an emergency she ran towards the wardrobe and flung open both the doors to look for his shirt as luck would have it that day wing commander sharma did not hang his shirt on a hanger inside wardrobe he had just hung it from the collar of a big nail uh, on a big nail that was driven into the outer side of the left door of the wooden wardrobe 
while Mrs. Sharma had opened the wardrobe doors ajar, searching for the shirt desperately, the shirt remained hidden from her frantic eyes on the other side of the left door. She would not find it before it was too late. Luckily, an Air Force doctor, Wing Commander Chopra, was staying just next door. On hearing Mrs. Sharma's screams, he had rushed over immediately and started mouth-to-mouth resurrection, but Wing Commander Sharma had already gone. Nothing could be done to save him. In the serpentine hilly roads of Dalhousie, there was no streetlights at that odd hour. Nothing seeped out from the heavily curtained windows of the houses around the streets either. Dalhousie was in deep slumber. The uniformed driver was carefully negotiating the frequent turns of the road, his eyes riveted on the road in perfect attention. Sitting in the truck, it still didn't quite sink into my mind that Wing Commander Sharma was no more. At each turn of the road, as the truck rolled from left to right, his body quivered and moved as if Sharma was trying to sit up on the stretcher. The tight wads of cotton pushed into his nostrils and the big toes held together with a bandage assured me that in my mind, uh, was my mind was uh, indeed playing a tricks. The strange smell of death was hanging heavily around. I was talking. I was taking the body to the city hospital of Dalhousie, where the only mortuary in this area was located. We could have preserved the body in the air force station provided we could buy slabs of ice. However, we were told that the nearest place to get ice from was Pathankot, some 83 kilometers away, downhill, one way. Bringing ice from there was not a feasible proposition at that hour of night. There was no way other than to keep the body in the hospital mortuary for the night. I kept feeling bad about having had to do an unpleasant task earlier this evening. I had to take away the corpse even as Mr. Mrs. Sharma was clinging onto her husband's body tightly, refusing to let it go. Her wails were still gnawing at my heart. Mentally, I asked her for a thousand apologies for giving her this pain. I hoped that someday she would realize that I had never meant to be rude to her. I was just doing a duty that had to be done. In the middle of the night, the cars and taxis were tightly parked on both edges of the narrow road. At times, there was hardly any space for our large truck to pass. I had to get down repeatedly and wake up taxi drivers who were sleeping in their cars, curled up under blankets. I had to explain the situation and requested them to move their vehicles to allow our truck to pass. This arduous journey was taking more time than I had estimated. Ultimately, our truck reached the city hospital. 
I showed the papers of request from the air headquarters, air headquarters authorities to keep the body in the mortuary to the on-duty medical officer. He casually took the papers and pointed towards the far end of the hospital compound. Then he went back to snoozing on his chair, resting his half bald head over his folded hairy arms, which was placed on the wooden table. His stethoscope and spectacles on the table kept each other company. No one from the hospital side came with us to show us the mortuary. We drove the truck slowly as far as it could go and then got down to find the mortuary. We passed through a faded green wooden door that led to the six-foot broad grassy corridor. At the end, there stood a small room with a door. The door was fly-proofed with steel wire netting. On the top of the door hung a small white board that said it was the mortuary. On my left was a dark precipice that went down about a thousand feet. On my right was the yellow compound wall of the hospital. Crickets in the dark vegetation were making continuous shrill sound like a drill being driven into an iron plate. The sound was punctuated by occasional baritone of frolicking frogs in expectation of rain. We went inside the morgue. The rusted hinges of the netted doors creased painfully as I forced the door open. There was one zero-watt bulb burning in that stark room. There was just nothing but a brick structure in the middle of the room which was about six feet to four feet. It was a cement concrete slab cast over it like a tabletop. And that was that. My expectation of a well-lit air-conditioned mortuary with deep freezer racks was shattered. At that point of time, despite deep disappointment, I had no other choice but to leave the body on the top of the slab. Gingerly, I went back to the truck. The driver held the handles of one end of the stretcher while I held the handles of the other end. The body was unusually heavy. We had forgotten to tie it to the stretcher with a rope, so we had to be really careful to ensure that the body did not fall off the stretcher. Carefully, we went over the grassy corridor, negotiated the door, and then heaved the stretcher up onto the slab. We straightened the loaded stretcher by pushing it as the metal legs made an ugly scrapping sound. Finally, it was done. There lay my friend, Vingamada Sharma, in eerie silence, arms folded over his chest and eyes shut peacefully. A white hospital bed sheet covered his body. I felt that he was silently pleading with me not to leave him alone in this dark, scary place. I took a deep breath to control the lump forming in my throat. In my mind, I begged him for an excuse to leave him for the night. Quietly, in my mind, I prayed to God to protect his body from the rodents that usually frequented 
such places. When we started our journey back to the station, it was 2.30 a.m. by my watch. I knew that in a few years time, we had to return to collect the body as soon as the funeral arrangements were done. We had to hurry up things for obvious reasons. As we drove back, I remembered how happily Wing Commander Sharma had spent his day. He had enjoyed his trip in his last day like a happy child. He was fascinated by the pristine beauty of the mountains. He kept saying repeatedly that he would like to buy a small bungalow and settle down in Dalhousie to spend the rest of his life. Who could have ever imagined that God would grant him his wish instantly and that Dalhousie would be his final respecting place. Good evening. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen and children. I am Wing Commander Goswami. I am here to talk to you how I started writing stories. You will not believe that it all happened when I discovered that there is an author which is hiding inside me for very, very long time. I never knew about it until I broke my right leg. Yes, you heard it correctly. When I broke my right leg, on a wet floor, I slipped and fell down and broke all the bones of my ankle altogether. It was a serious injury, but fortunately, the doctor fixed it with two titanium plates and 12 screws on them. And they sent me home, ordering me into bed for one and a half months. Well, it was a very long time and I was lonely. What do I do sitting on bed all alone for such a long time? I started retrospecting my life. About four years back that happened and that time I was somewhere about 71 year old. Then I started retrospecting my life. I had come a long way. In between, I faced medical emergency threatening life. My children were born. Then I had my posting on China border where the life was really tough. Then my friends started 
departing from this world one after another some literally died in my lap when we were visiting a remote place in himachal pradesh and that was a horrific experience carrying his body in the middle of the night to the morgue one friend died behind a closed door i always wanted to know what went on with him in the middle of night when he died alone then again i had a good time also once in a while i had a lot of laughter watching my dog the dog always chased me through the life ups and downs because my family consists of two people who were fanatic about having dog and not having dog therefore it was tough time balancing them and then i always had a good laugh when my grandfather found out the address of his departed friend from the more uh, from the uh, crematorium because he had to attend his shraddh ceremony it was a life with a full mix of happiness and sadness and that is what i have told in my book the rear view mirror the rear view mirror depicts a long journey through the ups and downs of life <laughs>